You know you've reached a uh, new level when even NASCAR drivers are poking fun at the absurdity of what happened in South Beach, actually Miami Gardens, Saturday night. Because the audio was captured from frontstretch.com of Denny Hamlin saying, well, this about having to keep his eyes on the prize, which is locking himself into the round of eight, even if it meant not doing so with style points. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to keep flipping stages, but we got to, you know, can't be the Miami Hurricanes. You can't run the ball when you're supposed to kneel it, <laughs> you know. So I think that, uh, you know, we did the best we could to lock ourselves in early, but then it just puts you in the back, and that's about it. Once you get to the back, it's, you know, that's that's about it. And um, we tried our best, but obviously just made a mistake there and got hit. Can't be the Miami Hurricanes. We have to focus on locking ourselves into the next round, even if it means sacrificing style points. That's what Denny Hamlin said, and it's 100% accurate about the Miami Hurricanes and the ridiculousness of what happened this past Saturday night in South Beach to the point where, yes, Denny Hamlin is at least learning lessons from it, much like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, how there are plenty more that we could learn in our lives as well. That is part of what we get to discuss right now as well in part two of covering the Commonwealth. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with NASCAR. With Chase Folsom, he was there for the NASCAR race at the Roval in Charlotte yesterday, and he's with us here now. In the fast lane chase, Denny Hamlin, not exactly style points, but he kept his eye on the bigger prize. A different level of maturity for he and the other drivers who sacrificed the style points to make sure they made their way into the round of eight? Um, Yeah, I think so. I definitely think going for stage points and not putting yourself in a position where you had to win to make the next round was definitely the right idea because especially with what ended up happening to Denny, had they not gotten those stage points, there's a t- chance that they could have fallen out, had some craziness gone down. So definitely a mature move on their part, and they made the right decision. That's part of what we saw yesterday. The other is the majority of drivers who made it out of the round of 12 into the round of eight. Kind of fit the narrative of what people would have expected. Would you like to take a victory lap, Chase? Because in the Fire on Fridays column, or excuse me, in the Friday face-off column that you and your front stretch colleagues had, you predicted that the four that were eliminated would be eliminated and that the eight drivers that would advance were in fact the ones who did advance. Yeah, I don't know if it was really that much of a surprise. Going into it, especially going into this weekend now that we had a very good outlook at what was probably going to happen, those were kind of the four most likely picks. I will say Kyle Busch had enough speed to upset everybody and win the race. They just couldn't quite put it together. So I'll take a little bit of credit for being right. Well, you should. Chase Folsom is with us here in the Fast Lane. NASCAR reporter for FrontStretch.com. Chase, of the drivers who have made it into the round of eight, who do you believe is best positioned, whether it's what they've done already or the races on the schedule, to make it into the round of four? I think it has to be William Byron. They have such a big points cushion going into this round. They finished second, first, and second. Not in that order. It was first, second, second in the last three races in the last round. And then you look at the three tracks we're going to. He won at Las Vegas earlier this year. He has a win at Homestead, Miami, and he won at Martinsville last year. So they're going to show up with speed. They've been the best car all year, and they have the biggest points cushion going into this round. 
Chase Folsom with us here in the fast lane. We've touched on the Chase picture itself, the NASCAR playoffs, of course, not your name uh, and how you envision it. But the race itself is also a great storyline because of what A.J. Allmendinger did and the emotion he showed and displayed afterwards. How much does that resonate with NASCAR fans at the core? Respecting a driver in the position of A.J. Allmendinger, not necessarily the flashiest team, but somebody who clearly loves the craft and cherishes the opportunity to get to victory lane. I think it's a good reminder of how hard it is to win in this sport because there's a lot of times where guys, they drive for the best teams in NASCAR. They win races and they get out and they're like, yay, we won, move on to next week. But it is hard to win in NASCAR, especially at the highest level, and it's a good reminder of just how much that means when somebody like AJ wins and they get out and they show so much emotion. It's cool. It was great to see that, and we got to see it yesterday. Chase Folsom, we also get to see his insight and analysis at frontstretch.com. Chase, thank you for the time today in the fast lane. It was great to chat with you, and we'd love to do it again. Thank you. I appreciate it. And last but not least, or maybe least, that professional football team in Landover, Maryland, or is it Ashburn, Virginia? The Washington Commanders. Who knows where they were this past Thursday evening outside of Trey Lyle, who knew they were going to not show up and the Bears would cover the six-point spread. And I said they'd win. You did, Trey. You get to take a victory lap. Meanwhile, Seawall, no such victory laps for the Commanders. Whoo, that was an ugly performance, wasn't it? I mean, it was really bad. (laughs) Well, there it is. It was really bad. I I mean, we were, you know, you go from one week and you're pretty much trying to almost contain yourself to stop from cheering in the press box to being like you could hear a pin drop and not even wanting to eat during halftime. It was pretty awful to watch. And DJ Moore just scored another touchdown. So easy. It was a softball for Trey that was laid up there. Um, The loss itself. How much of this has to be pinpointed on the coaching staff and not having the players ready? How much of it goes to the players themselves as professionals for not being ready? I think, I mean, I put a heavy, I put a heavy piece of it on the coaching staff. I mean, Trey just said it. I'm like, did anyone forget that DJ Moore now plays for the Chicago Bears? And also, we saw, I mean, Granted, the Bears were not that good last year when the Commanders took them on on Thursday night football almost a year ago to the date. I think next week or maybe later this week would actually be a year from when they played the the Bears in Chicago. Justin Fields didn't have the players to actually execute some of those plays. This year he did. So it was literally like watching that same game from last year, very similar plays. The difference was the caliber of Bears players. So for me, I was like, wow, did the coaching staff forget, meaning the defensive coaching staff forget that they just saw this team with the same quarterback a year ago and he did the exact same thing. Who drafted DJ? I put a lot of that on the coaching staff. I was just going to say, who drafted DJ Moore? (laughs) Out of Maryland. It was Ron Rivera. Yes, which made it was Ron Rivera. It's exactly right. I mean, he. I mean, and Ron said that in the press conference, he was like a DJ Moore, a player that I'm very familiar with. Well, Ron, did you forget that the Bears picked him up through that trade, right? And so, yeah, DJ Moore, the person that you that you drafted for those very things he just did to your team. Um, yeah, unprepared for him.
It was. And that's what's got us to the point where we have to ask Seawall the tough questions that many people feel might need to be asked to the Washington Commanders, which is three straight losses. Coach was on the hot seat to begin entering this season. Is this where that hot seat gets turned up to a different level? I know that I would think so. But the, but the current word is, as of today, Josh Harris is just waiting to see how it plays out. Now, does that mean all of his partners feel that way? Maybe, maybe not. But it sounds like Josh Harris isn't making any sudden changes just yet and wants to see how this first year kind of plays out. But I do think there needs to be a sense of urgency with this team because I would I would like to think that their jobs are depending on it, especially when you're looking at that defensive side of the ball and, and Coach Ron Rivera as well. I mean, he's this is the this is the defense that Coach Jack Del Rio has been largely been able to pick and keep who he wants and all of those things. So that group should be far farther down the line um, than they currently are. No doubt about it. The insight is always fantastic, though. From Candy Waller of Seawall Sports and Entertainment, unlike the product that the Washington Commanders actually put out. Seawall, thank you so much for making some time for us today in the fast lane. We'll keep it locked to Seawall SE on Twitter, or X as some people like to call them, Seawall Sports on Instagram. And of course, we look forward to chatting with you again next week in the fast lane. Absolutely, and hopefully it's a victory Monday. We'll see. That's the goal for the Washington Commanders. And, of course, that game will be part of our quadruple header next week. On the Who do CBS they play Sports again? Lynchburg at the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, they won't win. Desmond Ritter's undefeated at home. Just well, want to point that out. Trey, uh, Trey getting the dial tone from Seawall from that uh, she, she, oh, She hung up already, so. Yes, well, she did. I actually we turned the pot back on. We have to on this on. edition of the Fast Lane today, but we'll be back tomorrow. We'll go more in-depth into the Virginia Cavaliers and Virginia Tech Hokies' performances. Some of the feedback that you've shared we must get to as well. All of that to come tomorrow in the Fast Lane. In the meantime, you know where to find us if you missed anything. Trey, Lyle, VT, and the Foul Ball Area Podcast for the latest on the playoffs. Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you listen to podcasts.